A ship in trouble making a forced landing, sir. It comes from the Talos Star Group. Their call letters check with a survey expedition. My name is Christopher Pike, commander of the Space Vehicle Enterprise. Our destination is the Talos Star Group. There's a canyon to the left. We can set you down there completely unobserved. I think it's time to show the captain our secret. This is Vina. Her parents are dead. She was born almost as we crashed. This is all some sort of trap. Are you real? Perhaps they made me out of dreams you've forgotten. Is there any way I can keep them from probing my mind, from using my thoughts against me? I can't help but love you. Let's get back to the ship. I can't. I can't go with you. Personal log. Captain Christopher Pike, stardate 1532.9. Still no word from Commander Burnham. But I know she won't give up until she finds her brother, Spock. As much as it pains me to think the worst of any Starfleet division, I do hope she locates him before Section 31 does. Hello and welcome to Snaptrek, the podcast which compares two episodes of the galaxy's favourite science fiction franchise, Star Trek. I'm one of your hosts, Ross Webster, and I'm joined by Jen Tift. Hello, Jen. Hi, Ross. How are you doing? I am good. Nice to speak to you. Good. You too, as always. Yes. Uh, <laughs> we, we're doing, well, it's just the same lockdown stuff as ever, but uh, yeah, yeah. Discovery's coming <laughs> thick and fast. It keeps keeping me going. Yes, Keep me going. same here. And uh, loving it. Yeah, I am. I have really enjoyed every episode of season three, which I don't same. think I've said. I don't think I could have said that for season one or two, but I've enjoyed mm. every episode of season three <laughs> a lot. Yeah, I think they've hit their stride. Yeah, they're doing really well. I know. I was. I was really there for everything that happened in the last episode. Same. Uh, Unification three. Even the title. The title was intriguing Ugh. from the off. But uh, I was right there for it. Well, it's, it's funny where that that episode came out while we're recording this because one of our uh, episodes today that we're talking about is another callback to another exactly <laughs> another uh, previous incarnation of Trek. And that is also a particularly good episode, but we'll talk about that later on. Oh yeah, yes. Okay. Very unusual. I don't think I know this game. What's it called? Chula. What are the rules? During each snap track, we compare the episodes using a variety of categories. We select a scene or a line or alien or prop which we think is excellent and we award a point to the answer we think is the best. Aggressive. Adversarial. Competition. For fun. Snaptrack is a competition, but it's played just for fun. There are no prizes or trophies. The real aim is to have a great conversation about Star Trek and perhaps think about the episodes in a new way. We'd love to hear from you. You can get in touch with us on Twitter at Snaptrek. Please send us your ideas for episode comparisons or categories we could use. And of course, send us your Star Trek lyrical recaps or any Star Trek poetry, haiku, limericks or rhymes or verse or anything like that. We'd love to hear from you. Okay. In this snap track, our perceptions will be altered and our memories will be probed as we pay a visit to the mysterious telepaths of Talos 4. 
I was lucky enough to take it back to the very beginning, the original series pilot, Aww. The Cage. And Jen? And I was lucky enough to uh, go for a more recent uh, adventure with Discovery Season 2, Episode 8, If Memory Serves. And re-watching both these episodes, they're both excellent episodes. Oh, I'm, I'm obsessed with watching these back-to-back. They, it was so good. And I hadn't thought to do it before, so good. but it was it just worked so, so well. And even I'd forgotten that Pike doesn't even get to Talos 4 in If Memory Serves. But it doesn't matter. Yeah. Because it doesn't matter. <laughs> they use the memory projection powers of the Talosians established in the Menagerie to, to virtually yeah. bring him there. Or to bring Venus to him. And I absolutely loved it. I have to say, I loved oh, it more man. this view. And I liked it the first time, but I loved it this time. I loved it. It's so great. Yeah, and add on the menagerie. Like, it gives yourself a nice little little mini marathon if you do the cage, if memory serves, and then the menagerie. Yes. Uh, to get the full Talos for uh, the full <laughs> saga. And may- the full experience. Which is, and it's so great how... How Discovery Discovery's doing actually Discovery and Picard and Lower Decks like they take these moments from previous treks and make them more more poignant almost you know and there's so many episodes now that when I go back to watch them it's it, they're even better because of what the because of the additions that you know Discovery and Picard and Lower Decks have made you know it's so great. I, I am totally agreeing. I mean, what they did, what they've done with Pike is nothing short of miraculous. Oh, I liked yeah. what they did with Pike in the like 2009 film. I liked that version. Yes, of Pike. <laughs> but this version of Pike is a step up again. Oh my gosh! And I'm thrilled that he's going to get his own show, and we're we're oh, going to follow yeah. that crew on their original five year mission. It's like this is mind blowing for me. I am I loving. Can't it. wait to see it. I can't wait to see and it. And I think the more sort of modern Star Trek there is, and the more all these threads start weaving together, and we saw that yes. in unification. Oh man! You know, it's a sequel to a to an episode of Discovery. It's a sequel to an episode of the Next Generation, and it works so well. It it really was pulling oh. all this stuff together. I I was right there for it. I really felt like I was part of this expansive world. And I have no idea what's going to happen in the rest of the episodes. I really have got no clue where this is going to go. But I'm pretty excited that every episode is going to bring me something new. I'm right there for it. Oh, same here. Yeah, and it really felt like an expanded universe moment. With you know, because we were bringing in next generation, we're bringing in stuff from Picard. We're bringing, you know, and it's so great. I just love it. I thought it was so good, and because it, it's following <laughs> on. 2009 film following on Picard, yeah. following on yeah. uh, love it. And it's just like this is all so well brought together in this massive yeah. story like i'm just envisioning myself in like 20 years time reading about this in the star trek encyclopedia just like flicking through all the <laughs> modern entries i'm i'm so there for this yeah and with and with this with if memory serves i mean i didn't realize i needed a follow-up to the case. I know. <laughs> or I, but I did. It, <laughs> I love it. <laughs> it's taken what was, I mean, essentially, if oh, we hadn't done man. the menagerie, the, the, the cage would oh, have been a I one and done. Yeah. A one and done, you know, they've flown off and never looked back. But they go back. They go back to the planet for such a good reason. And it's it just ties together so nicely in this massive story. 
I, I, you know, well, I was really keen to like. I'm tempted to sit down after this and watch the rest of Discovery season two. Oh yeah, I was too Just when to, I like, watched this. Power through yeah. because yeah. it was really good. Yeah, it gets you. It gets you right back into it when when you're dropped in the middle of that yeah. season long arc. Yes. But um, but yeah, and then they've uh, they really did get their money out of this unaired pilot. <laughs> first making the menagerie and then building on it if memory serves (laughs) just you know jeffrey is it jeffrey hunter and later on yeah i mean he he's so great in this he's so great and it's a shame that this is the only time we ever see him be pike but it's enough he does so well he does so great and i love how his pike isn't just isn't captain kirk no like, I don't know why they decided to change the character, but they really did. Like he's not, he's not the same guy. Like he, he's he's the, he's the guy that we see in Discovery. Yeah, he seems older. He seems and, older than Kirk, and he seems yeah, more burdened. Yeah. From the off, yeah. he's burdened. Um, yeah. And Kirk seems a bit more carefree. Right. So, it's so interesting. Okay. Okay, now that, right. now that we've just had a massive love-in for new Star Trek shows, <laughs> let's get back to business, down to business. Commander, I would like to remind you about my poetry reading this afternoon. I wouldn't miss it for the world. I can't wait to see what he's come up with. As ever, we begin each Snap Trek with a lyrical recap of the episodes on offer. Jen, I'd love to hear your lyrical recap of If Memory Serves. Okay, I want with the classic limerick I want to hear for it. If Memory Serves here. Okay. Here we go. We are happy to help for a fee, said the Telosians to Burnham with glee. We have our minds set on some of that sweet, sweet regret. Your memory serves up some fabulous tea. Oh, that's good. <laughs> <laughs> and that was, I mean, you hit, that was a really savage part of that episode oh man <laughs> they are this t- i hate the telogians they are awful jerks the <laughs> they are thought vampires is what yeah. they are <laughs> but you know what that the telosians in if memory serves actually it works better having just watched the cage i really felt yeah, like i understood yeah. their motivations more having just watched the cage and seen how yeah. sort of they're they're almost parasitical in their need for thoughts yep. and things to do, and the, right. the the their mental reality is their is their main reality, and so these kind of things <laughs> are interesting to them, and they want to expand how they understand things like that. They eat it up. They love they it. They love it. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Such a and it's like oh we'll uh we'll, we'll yeah sure we'll fix up your brother for a price. <laughs> I know, and it's not they're not nice. They're not nice aliens. They are doing this. Oh, nice they're awful, yeah. And even even in the cage, they do some nice things, and they do some horrible things. And right. at the end, they're just things they've done. And I, I wasn't... <laughs> I was like, well, are we friends now? Now that we've right. left? Uh, is this all right? I mean, the reason <laughs> the pike leaves at the end I... is because they're like, oh, yeah, humans are terrible. We don't want them on our planet anymore. Yeah, yeah, we no longer want you as a pet, so you're free to go. Yeah. <laughs> but we'll look after Vina. We'll take care of her. I mean, we'll talk. Right. We'll talk about all this. But it's, yeah, we'll talk about all this. It was crazy, but... <laughs> crazy. But yeah, those those thought vampires, man. So I wanted weird. to focus on them. Okay. <laughs> all right, I'd love to hear your your uh, recap for the cage. Okay, so I've called this check the circuit. Ooh. Okay. <laughs> 
singing flowers on the surface of the planet Talos IV, but diminutive Talosians can imagine so much more. In the ruins upon Rigel, an ogre's hunting pike, the beast has got the drop of him, then's impaled upon a spike. On the grassland of Mojave, give a sugar lump to Tango. Headaches could be hereditary. How far will this captive man go? Exotic party on Orion, Venus glistening green. Is it worth the captain's soul if he finds this lifestyle freeing? In the cage deep underground, violent thoughts aren't read so well. Pike insists he won't succumb, and so he'll burn in hell. Singing flowers on the surface of the planet Talos IV, but diminutive Talosians can imagine so much more. Ah, oh, that's so good. <laughs> Thank you. I love the sandwich. <laughs> yes, I sandwiched it. I thought it worked nicely yeah. at the beginning and the end. It does. And uh, I couldn't think of anything to rhyme with tango, so that that line just did. I just, I really, I like mango. It, that's it was all that's right. It was all right. It worked. I, I was like, I wanted the word tango in there. I just love the sound of the word tango. Yes. But then I really struggled with that line. I'd have changed it to anything if I could have. Oh no, and I, and I love that part too. And he he's like he's like, oh, I wish I had a sugar cube for you. And they, they, <laughs> oh, they thought of everything. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Oh, nice job. Thank you. Right, let's do this. I'm excited for this one. Let's do it. Okay, Jen, would you like to select the first category? All right. So, uh, oh man. So let let's start off with category one. Let's talk about let's talk about our our man in both these episodes. Our uh, our captain. Let's let's go for Peak Pike. So first of all, well done for the name because Peak Pike. <laughs> I, you know, I got a little thrill when you typed that one out as the name. I was like, well, that's good. okay i actually found this quite hard because i thought all the way through pike was a really strong character and of course he's the main character of the episode along with vena but it's it's all about him really so i tried to pick a scene that i think showed off his leadership and his quick thinking but also must have been so incredibly awkward and i was thinking of the scene where he's in the cell with vena and Colt and Number One are also beamed into the cell with Vena and Pike. <laughs> and all of their quote-unquote attributes are listed by their Telosian captors, much to Venus' dismay. And you can see this awkwardness bearing across the faces of all of everyone there. And it is the scene's almost funny, you know, funny in its horrible awkwardness. Yeah. But we just see that Pike is not paying any he is beyond this. He yeah. he knows what is happening. He's already in the, in his periphery. He's ignoring this. He knows what's happening, and he's just filled his mind with hate and violence in order to distract the Talosians, because he has gleaned from them and from Vina that he's able to uh, that he's able to like fill his mind with with primitive images, and the Talosians can't get a read on him, and he puts okay. it to practical effect. And he sets a trap for the Talosians. He lures them in with his phaser. And it was just, you know, he's simultaneously dealing with this horribly awkward problem, but also setting a trap for the Talosians with information he has, like, pieced together. And it, right. and then from here, I mean, there's, there's, like, sequential scenes that intersperse with scenes from the ship and Spock sort of looking for people on the on the planet. But eventually, Pike does get his mitts on one of his captors, strangles him till he turns into an ape, shoots an invisible <laughs> hole in the wall, 
acknowledges his captor's intelligence, hands them his weapon, then leaves through the hole for the surface. And it's just, it's so perfectly well thought out in action and cognition. And the fact that he's doing it, all the while there are three women, not fighting over him, but awkwardly having their feelings for him laid bare before him. I just thought that you must have been so strong-willed to get through all this and to fight physically and mentally with your captors so you can free everyone. Uh, so Peak Pike for me, in a cell with three women and just being, you know, having his mind sort of full of violence and hate so he can lure the lure the uh, Telosians into the cell and get himself out. Yeah, he's he's got the Telosians number here. Yeah. And and it's it's yeah it's funny too because because you know number one tries to help him he's he's like no no don't help me I need to concentrate <laughs> you know I need to concentrate on my uh my hate here because they can't read that uh, and he does and and he he picks up on the on the fact that like okay everything is an illusion so if I did if I did use this phaser I I even if I can't see it it obviously did blow a hole in whatever cage I'm in and, and, and we can get out. And I love that idea. That is still yeah. to me mind blowing. Like if it's all fake, this may actually still have happened and I just don't realize it. Yeah. That is, so I'm going to plow ahead yeah. as it, you know, knowing what is logical that should have happened. Yeah. I really love that. And I love that, you know, putting his yeah. thought, you know, second guessing all of his thought processes to see what would yeah. really happen. And just, the, yeah. I mean, just how dangerous that could have been as well. The idea that, you know, he's holding a weapon which he could could kill somebody with without realising, but I suppose may not be holding it as well if he thought about it too much. It's just, right. it's, it's wild. <laughs> and so I really like that idea of, like, I he's, don't know what's real. He just has such great instincts. That's one of the marks of, of uh, Pike. Yeah, you know, and was, he very quickly gets a bearing on the situation all the way yeah, through. Like yeah. he understands why right. this is happening really, really quickly. Yeah, um, but he also does it well. We'll talk about this later. But he does it with a lot of heart as well. He's never oh, absolutely. He, he's he's angry, but he's only angry because he's been imprisoned. He's not angry at what's. He's not angry at the the situation. No, that's wrong. He is angry at the situation. But his <laughs> anger is all directed in the right place. He doesn't blame anyone. Un, right. Un, with an unwarranted reason. I'm really confusing my words, but I, <laughs> Pig Pike. Pig Pike. Pig Pike, for sure. Jeffrey Hunter. <laughs> Jeffrey Hunter Pig Pike. Ah, uh, he's, yep. And uh, in If Memory Serves, Aston Mount is also Pig Pike. He's so perfect. He's <laughs> so good. They're both so perfect. That cut. And he's so good. That cut, oh. where it just, you know, it shows you what happened in the cage. Oh, and then it I love cuts it. to Pike. That is just so meta. Oh. I absolutely, absolutely loved that bit, and I watched it that like pre- three previously times. on Star. Yeah, that previously on Star Trek. Yes. Yeah, with the old font, and they they show you what happened in the cage, and then straight into Pike in his personal log, and it's it's just so well done. What a wonderful cold open. I do think it shows how self aware the show is. Ah, oh, yeah. And I really feel that. I mean, we're diverging here, but. Series three, I think the dialogue has been so self-aware. Like, I understand. We understand what people are going to say about this. And here we are talking about it as well, as if as if we already knew everything that was going to happen. I really appreciate yeah. that as a style of writing. I'm loving that. Anyway, sorry. Peak Pike. Peak Anson Mount Pike. 
Peak Pike. And here uh, I'm cheating a little because I don't have a specific scene or a line. Um, I just have the, the general feel of how he plays the character. And, um, you know, pretty much similar to what you said in the cage, this version of Pike also just has everybody's number. He has George's number and Tyler's and mm. Saru's even. Um, and on the opposite side, Spock and Burnham's. Like, he knows that he can trust them, you know? A Spock asks him to, to take him on, on faith and head to Talos 4, and he does, um, you know, because he's such a great judge of character. And, gosh, I don't know how to d- describe why this is, but but Captain Pike, the Anson Mount Pike, he's, like, he's such a masculine, manly character, but without even a whiff of any toxic masculinity whatsoever. Like, he's very... Um, he has humility. Um, he's willing to listen and change, you know, mm-hmm. based on what he hears. He's like, he's, and even here, like, he's not the focus of this adventure. He's not like the action hero yeah. in this actually could be, you know, he, he, you can see that this actor could be this, uh, you know, what happened in the cage. You could see him in that scenario, uh, yeah. but that here, so, yeah. that's not his job. Yeah. Right here, here in this episode, his job um, is to basically just like, assess the situation and and assist the, any way he can his 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 crewmate his crew members that he's searching mm-hmm. for you know and and even he decide you know like and he, he does he takes spock on faith he takes vena on faith when, which you know at the very end she's like she you know tells him to let go yeah of trust her let go of of spock and burnham when they're in the the uh the transporter beam and and he does he does that um, but you really get that because he knows, like he knows who he can and can't trust, and what he has to do, and he does it with with such a. He leads. He's such a quiet leader, if that makes sense. Yes, and he shows that with how he spoke to Saru, and yes. he shows it with how. Well, yeah, when he's like when he's he's not dressing down Saru, he is politely enforcing the rules with Saru. Right. You yeah. let this happen. Don't let it happen again. You right. Know, uh, we follow the uniform code of conduct. Really yeah. well, really well done. And Saru was almost flippant in his response. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we'll talk about that scene later because yeah. I really like that too. I like that a lot. But but the same thing, yeah. Because he he's like, you would have done something. I would have done something different than what you. I would have made a different decision than you made. But that's the decision you made. Well, we just got to move on from here, yeah. you know. And he knows, like like when like when Georgiou speaks to him, you know, at the beginning, she gives him a load of, of bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> Like he knows, he could tell you know the, the way he plays it. He knows it's BS, mm-hmm. but he just, but he he just takes that information under advisement. Yeah, I love it. I love the fact that he follows his orders, but he he yeah. still you know, and he does even say, "I'll follow my orders, but I'm not going to leave my officers in a situation where, right. where I could be right. helping." We're not doing anything yeah. that anyone told oh, us not to I do. I love him so much. Yeah, he, he, he's playing <laughs> he's it really so great. well. Just like the perfect, perfect leadership style. Yeah, and I just I think it's going to be so interesting to see him and and this version of Spock and this version of Number One in their own show, and I I just think I just think it's going to be I just think it's going to be great. I, <laughs> I don't have anything intelligent to to say about that. I, I, it's I, just going to be great. great. <laughs> um, oh man, Pike. Pike is so. I mean, I can't believe it's taken fifty four years for this for him to get his own show finally. <laughs> finally we're gonna get a show we, we were promised that 54 years ago and right they finally picked up the pilot yeah. the cage <laughs> it's finally been picked up we <laughs> changed the name but uh, yes. i think it's great i'm so excited for it oh man 
so good. Okay. Um, okay, so... Peak Pike. I don't know how to give points here. I feel like... I really feel like the same character. Yeah. I really... They do such a great job. Yeah, they, they've done... So I don't want to... I want to distinguish this from the actors. This is... Yes. I'm just going for Peak Pike. So the one person. Um, I think Pike in Discovery, he is... He has more awareness and control of what's going on. He seems more relaxed. He's open. He trusts mm-hmm. Vina immediately. And, you know, you realize actually from the way he is with her that perhaps he almost regrets leaving Talos for all those years ago. Or leaving her behind. Precisely, yeah. 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 Um, and I, I, I really liked that. And that wasn't an angle I thought they were going to go down. Um, yeah. I thought it was so good to have Vina back. But I do, I do think he is. He just demonstrates classic original series Star Trek captaincy in in the cage. He is quick witted, focused, and is dealing with a complex situation. Hands on, you know, physically, mentally, he's saving the day. And it's a bit more. He's a bit more stepped back on Discovery. So I'm going to give it. I'm going to give it to the cage. But it is, it's so much of a muchness. I really thought they both do such a good job of being an excellent captain. Yeah, the way, the way Jeffrey Hunter Pike handles himself is, I, I mean, I would have watched a TV show with <laughs> I will watch a TV show with him exactly. as captain. But like, yeah, like, uh, I, I mean, you could see there, there's so many, they set that character up in such a way that you you knew you know a lot about you can tell a lot about a man <laughs> in just this one hour long episode of television. Yeah, and it's quite a long and it was a long episode as well. Like more than an hour. Yeah, and, and it and it was enough it was enough for them to, you know, however many years later, right? Fifty something years later, to expand on on just that one episode and give us this great new pike in Anson Mount. And on the one hand, I always want to give my points to, to the original, right? Mm-hmm. Um, that laid the groundwork. But also just, I, I can't remember a time when there's ever been such an interesting extension of a character like this. Like, just so perfectly, just taking what little tidbits we got from the cage and turning it into what Anton Mount has done in Discovery. Um Jeez, so this one's really challenging of as far as points go. Um but I think I think I'm gonna give it to the cage. Ooh, I, I was I was sitting there really <laughs> thinking, oh where this is gonna go. <laughs> I think I'm gonna give it to the cage. Um because I mean Jeffrey Hunter's performance was so strong that you know, 50 years later or whenever, when the Calvin movies came out, we're like, oh my God, we get another Pike. Oh my God. And in Discovery after that, oh my God, we get another Pike. We're clawing for more of this character just based on what he did in that one episode. That's powerful. That's powerful acting job, a powerful character. Yeah. And I love it. And he deserves a point for that. He, Yeah. Jeffrey Hunter does deserve points. Yeah. And, yeah. And Anson Mattis too. I mean, Anson, Anson Mount. <laughs> But we, we're probably going to be giving out some amount more points in the future. Absolutely, There's very few yes. times in the future we'll be giving, sure. we'll be giving Jeffrey Hunter more points. 
<laughs> yeah, because even if you do the menagerie, that's not Jeffrey Hunter. No. Right? I mean, <laughs> Unless we just give it for the, the cage flashbacks. Yeah, exactly. It's not him in that bit. Oh. I think that's a different guy. It is a different the guy. guy. The beeping guy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's somebody else entirely. <laughs> Yeah, and there were definitely there's definitely going to be more possibilities to give Anson Mount points. There is, and he doesn't need our points. He's he's like uh, he, he he's such doing a, all right, isn't he? He's doing all right. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I've seen him in person, and he's he's just so lovely that he he almost doesn't seem real. Like <laughs> he's just like an angelic creature sent from a different dimension I, I saw him in, so attractive i saw him in conversation at dst with the chap who oh, plays man. leland and they were obviously <laughs> just having such a whale of a time and he is just he's you know no offense leland but Anson Matt incredibly oh, yeah. handsome <laughs> he's just a luminous being he really is all right i feel good about that good. two points to the cage i feel good about that <laughs> okay Two points for the cage, and on yeah. to round two. Yeah, where are we going for round two? Well, we've had Peak Pike, so let's <laughs> maybe look at some of the other crew as well and go for Best Advisor. Who do you have for Best Ooh. Advisor? Best Advisor. See, I had a lot of, of choices mm-hmm. uh, in, in this one. So I have a couple of uh, runners up here. I had to give Georgiou some credit because uh, she, you know, she knows how to handle any situation, yeah, especially in terms of being a Section Thirty One agent. You know, she because she sees things from every angle. I bet Leela regrets and, picking her up. I bet he regrets. Exactly. He regrets exactly. <laughs> exactly. So I wanted to give her points because th- that scene is just hilarious. When uh, in the beginning, uh, with you know, Section Thirty One leadership is is talking to Leland ostensibly, but but just keeps asking George Yu what she thinks. Of course they are. Yeah. And then it goes throughout the whole, you know, the rest of the episode and at the very end, like like Leland, you should have listened to me. <laughs> Basically. Right, right. So so she's she's great and funny in this. Um technically the Red Angels an advisor here giving Spock some visions. I want to mention that because that's kind of an interesting thing. She she gave Spock a vision of Burnham's death when he was a child. And then here in season two gives Spock a uh, vision of the end of the universe. Oh my God. That's great. Um, I love, I love that as best advice. Yeah. So I I thought, I mean, that's just an interesting, the, the, it's just an interesting angle to you know gives it some like especially now when you're when you're technically not supposed to know uh you know well, well, the first time you watch this episode you don't know right. the who the red angel is or what the deal is and it just adds a like a mystical um you know presence to to the storyline here that's already about memories and and illusions and and all kinds of you know what's happening <laughs> things you know I, mean? I love so, the fact that, well, so it's neat i love the fact that when he gets his red angel contact and he's mind melding for some reason he's on a snowy planet and he looks like he looks like <laughs> yeah the empire strikes back <laughs> he's wearing that very snow. he's on hot yeah, i really like that <laughs> yeah it always looks cool when they're on snow planets yeah, and sci-fi yeah, definitely gets more snow planets 
I had to give another runner up to Burnham for uh, asking Spock if he actually thinks the beard is working. Cruel. <laughs> that's not best advice. That's best taunter. That's, that's true. <laughs> best burn. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> but I guess if you take it to heart and say, hmm, maybe, maybe. Uh... The origins of the burn. Should I wear this? <laughs> right. <laughs> It was right there all along. Spock's beard caused the burn. That, that Robbie gave it. It's just sparked everything off. Oh, no. And I think he's wrong, too. I think it is working. But that's it looks just good. Me. It suits him. It looks good. It does. It suits him. Yeah. Especially, it suits him for the, this you know, point in his life, too, I think. Mm. All right. So that's, those are my runner-ups. We had a lot of advice in this episode. Uh, but... What I had to, what I definitely had to pick for this is Saru. And we talked about this a little bit uh, earlier, that great scene with, with Saru and Pike uh, after the big fight. And this is where he's the best advisors is uh, um, Cur- Colbert comes into the uh, lunchroom looking for a fight with Tyler. You know, at first Tyler does, doesn't want to fight with him, but you know, <laughs> it happens. And oh Saru's reaction. It's, it's absolutely mammoth. There's so it much is. Going on There's so much going on. So much going on. And, um, you know, and, and people go, go to try to try to bake them up. And Saru's like, no, no, <laughs> this must be allowed to play out. Um, which is not something, you know, like Pike mentions this later, not something that Saru would have, not a choice Saru would have made before yeah, he lost his threat game. Yeah. Um, but also, he's probably right. <laughs> yeah. He's, I mean, you don't want to, you don't want to have fighting. That's not the way to solve conflicts. But, but Saru, Saru calls this, it was a necessary and unavoidable catharsis for both men. And quite honestly, I don't see any other way that could have played out. That was always um, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, and you know, it, and it and it's funny too. I mean, because I remember when we did we did parturition. Yeah. Uh, yes. <laughs> and we talked about the food, another food fight in the in in the mess hall with uh, Paris and Neelix. Um, and that one was ridiculous and silly, but even that one kind of had to happen. And this one's completely higher stakes. This is so much but more also- justified. <laughs> <laughs> it's so much more justified. And it's it's also funny, too, because this one's also letting this one go on is more dangerous, too. I mean, Neelix and Paris aren't like... They're not going to kill each other. The toughest. Yeah, <laughs> they're not the t- exactly. They're not going to kill it. Versus, you know, Dr. Colbert, who is, you know, literally chiseled out of marble. <laughs> And Tyler, who we know can just snap a guy's neck, yeah. you know, uh, they could literally, they could really seriously hurt each other here. Uh, so, so Saru choosing to let this go on the way it did um, was a very bold choice. And I, th- I think it's, it's one of the first times and we've seen it a lot more since then when Tr- Saru does make a bold choice like this um, and takes risks and, that was one of and, his and has grown. Moves, wasn't it? His early. New yeah. Because oh, yep. it only happened like a couple of episodes previously as well. Didn't it? He'd lost. His right. So right. You know, we were seeing a new Saru. This was how they were telling us like, Ooh, he's not the guy yes. you remember. Yeah. This is one of the first times we see that, that pan out in his leadership style. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and then I, I love that scene we talked about with him and Pike explaining to Pike why he, why he let it happen and 
you know, Pike kind of just <laughs> doing his thing, you know, uh, that's not the decision I would have made, but all right. And but Saru, not again. Saru, <laughs> Saru is funny, but flippant. And he says, uh, yeah. does, does the manual cover Klingons, oh, yeah. Klingons disguised as humans and men who've come back from the dead? You allowed the fight to proceed. I believe the confrontation was a necessary and unavoidable catharsis for both men. But hardly an example of by the book conflict resolution. The Starfleet Manual offers no regulatory guidelines for interactions between humans with Klingons grafted to their bones and a ship's doctor returned from the dead. <laughs> right, that's such a great line. Probably in the 24th century it does. Um, oh, that's so funny. Yeah, they, they've had to yeah. add a section of the manual <laughs> because of this incident. <laughs> the part's like, all right, all right. Yeah. He's done with the fighting in the corridors, all right? <laughs> right. Oh, that's so funny. Yeah. So I, I love that as advice that, you know, it's a, it's a bold choice to make and probably the correct choice. And I, I just love that for Saru. So that's my pick. Her best advisor. That's a great pick. Uh, I think for me, for the best advisor for um, Cage, it would have been easy for me to go with Dr. Boyce because even yeah. from the earliest <laughs> scenes... He is set up to be, you know, he's the guy that Captain Pike is talking to and going to for advice. Uh, Dr. Boyce just pops up with a martini. Oh, he, love he, it. And I, I love that as well. It's so great. <laughs> and, you know, That's what I want from a doctor. Yeah. Just come at me with a dirty martini. You know, that's what I need. Yeah. In nine out of ten situations, that's the answer. <laughs> he knows all of the captain's woes. He, he knows why the captain is feeling the way he is already. And it's not really because he's a doctor. It's because he's the captain's friend. Right. Um, yeah. he's, arrived to, he's arrived just to dispense drinks and advice. And Pike <laughs> lays out... Well, Pike is actually laying out on the couch uh, on his bed. And just Pike lays out all of his concerns about caring for a crew and the burden of responsibility... Right you get hints of things that have gone wrong on a previous mission and the deaths of some crew members, which he, he feels the responsibility for. Um, and that is, that is nice because Boyce essentially goes through with him and says, you're, you're the guy who's made for this. And they talk him through different options about what might happen in Pike's life and what he might want to do. He's like, you know, he really lays it out. You are the guy to be in the command, in the command of the starship. You're the person we need here. Um, and then it's proved throughout the episode how good he is at his job. So, you know, Boyce is right in that respect. However, I did not pick Boyce. I picked somebody whom I thought was rather undervalued for most of the episode. Uh, I picked number one. Um, Amen. <laughs> at the beginning of the episode, I thought I was, I was a bit... I didn't like the way that Pike... This is the one thing that Pike did that I didn't like. He left her and said, oh, we need our most... A senior officer looking after the ship, and I just thought that's that's not on. She should have been down there on the planet sorting stuff out. Um, she is totally unflappable and obviously highly intelligent, and it does seem that she take you know seems like Spock might be in command, but actually no, she's in command. She's down there firing the lasers at the at the Talosian um, the Talosian stronghold. She is there sort of, you know, she's giving out the orders, really. But there's one scene at the very end of the episode 
where she doesn't advise as much as she just forces the situation. And in very few words, she has picked up what the Talosians are doing and what their relationship to Pike and Vina is and what they're trying to do. And what she does is she sets the laser, well, it's a laser, isn't it? It's not a phaser. She sets the laser <laughs> into chamber overload, essentially prompting Pike's negotiation with the Talosians and ultimately their their them being free. And she's done this. She doesn't ask Pike whether she should do this. She just does it. Yep. Clicks into place. It's happening. And then Pike's got a few seconds to make this all work. And perhaps if she'd been there from the very beginning, she could have had you know an objective eye over what was going on, rather than sending you know just six six guys down to the in, to, to make some strange to make whatever decisions they would make. But I feel like the undervalued number one. And at the end, she's the one who, although Pike has got them out of the cage, she gets them out of the situation by forcing everyone's right. hand. And I thought that was really, really, you know, clever move. And it just quickly sorted things out for everyone. So, best advisor, number one. And I love the fact that yeah. she's more of number one. Yes. Yeah, she does it so nonchalantly, too. She just turns the dial. <laughs> And doesn't even say anything. She's like, she's like, I'll allow Pike to explain, because <laughs> right? I'm doing this, and he knows what I'm doing, and and this is what it's come down to. And yeah, yeah, she's so great. I'm also thrilled that we get to see more of her. And Rebecca Romaine is does an amazing, amazing job. Um, I, I I've oh, I've always always wanted to know more about Number One. I love her. Mm. I love that she's she's very feminine even though she's 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 in command you know second in command and and obviously very intelligent she wears her, like her hair is all done up but she wears nail polish you know what i mean yeah. she's not like trying to to you know lean in she's not acting masculine she's she's maintained her femininity um and i love that they've they've continued that in the way they designed rebecca romaine's number one um yeah. and then and then and then uh, i I ha- I do have to mention the one thing that I've just I've just decided to strike from from the canon <laughs> of my head mm-hmm. <laughs> because there's that one line that I do have to mention of, 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 in the beginning with where Pike says yeah, I oh I can't get yeah. used yeah yeah you know what I was gonna say I can't get used to having women on the bridge and number one's right there right? he's like oh I didn't mean you you know and she gives that same resigned look yeah. That I know well from when you get that same backhanded compliment from a man that, you know, that like, oh, you're different. You're, you know, despite your, your obvious, the obvious uh, negative quality of you being a, a, a female, you're okay in my book. You know, it's, like, it's not the compliment you think yeah. it is. <laughs> Thank you for being so nice. And it's just. Yeah, it's just oh, that always gets me. But I just love her, like like Majel's reaction to that is just like it's just so it's it's so perfect because it's just I that same resigned look <laughs> like that I know so well and it's perfect. So, but we could just pretend that 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 line never happened because that's te- that's totally just like a relic of the time. And they had to mention they had to do something to mention that there was a woman on charge in charge mm. and and we have you know and 
honestly, that's one of the reasons that this didn't get picked up was that they had a woman as the second in command, yeah. to be honest. That, which, um, you know, appreciate Gene Roddenberry even trying to do it. Like, yeah. You know, trying to yeah. make the effort in a time that wasn't ready, for, right, wasn't ready right. for it or wasn't going to accept it. Because, yeah. you know, number one was a, was a great character. She's a great character. And she, she essentially a, was a, she was a very Spock-like character. Yeah, she's very uh, Athenian, like like Athena, like mm. she's very goddess of wisdom, yeah, oh, I like that. <laughs> kind nice. of. Um, yeah, and and just justice for number one. I, I'm thrilled, probably more than more than any other, probably more even than Pike and Spock, getting to see uh, number one in Strange New Worlds, and and I adore Rebecca Romaine so far what she's done with the character, and I think she's really doing. The cage is number one justice. Yeah. And, oh, what a great, what a great pick. Okay. Um, it's been a real, I'm, I have to say it's been a real loving for these episodes. I'm finding it hard to, <laughs> I'm really having a hard time picking. Yeah. This, this one's an even, evenly matched here. Yeah, this is... We've picked up most offices. <laughs> oh man. And I don't know what to do. Uh, I was so set for you to, to pick Dr. Dr. Boyce. <laughs> too easy. Too easy. <laughs> I should have known better. <laughs> um, Saru um, and, and number one. Wow. I, I'm giving it, I'm giving it to my girl. Number one. I think I'm also going to give it to number one. I, yeah. She is. She's just so flatly the most important character who doesn't get enough yeah. to do. In that yeah. episode. Yeah. And Saru I, I like I, I do like Saru. I like him as a first officer. I like him as a captain. Yeah. I think I'm liking him more as an ambassador now. I think I think he's worth yes. Um, That's true. He is doing an excellent job as an ambassador yeah, I, in, I, in this season. I, I, that's a good way to put it. I know I didn't think of it that way. I think that's where he's. I think that's his trajectory. That's just, yeah. You know, my my personal thoughts. Anyway, I do like Saru, and I liked what they did with him in this episode. Uh, I thought it was really strong storytelling for everyone for that section of the story was really excellent but i just think number one deserves so much more and i feel like i need to give yeah. my one for one yeah and they do and and i mean even even in that scene at the conference table when they're trying to figure out the strategy of what to do um to get the captain back and she does a good job even taking charge there as again the only woman <laughs> at the table <laughs> And, uh, and yeah, and she's, she's always, yeah, she's, she's a special character and I'm happily giving her my point. So, all right. Oh man. Four, four <laughs> for the cage. Four for, four for the cage. Oh man. Come on. If memory serves. If memory serves is an excellent episode. Any other, really any other comparison, it'd be winning. <laughs> it really is. All right. Well, let's see if we can get some points here. All right, let's go next to best uh, best Pike and Vina moment. Woo woo! All right. <laughs> All right, so I start by saying I love Pike and Vina, yeah, and I like I, I liked it. him in the original. I liked him in the original episode. I do like them more in If Memory Serves, but maybe it's because I just saw it as one long like representation of their relationship. Yeah, and you know what's going to happen—that they're like end game. Yeah, too. Like so, that adds to to me that adds to the enjoyment yes. of of their sh- of shipping them. <laughs> yeah. Um. So, I mean, the best Pike Vina moment in the cage. I was really tempted by the Vina reveal 
which I still think is super shocking today. Um, and the decisions she makes to stay there or not stay there, obviously they're hers to make. And I think it's very hard to second guess that because it's such a unique and bizarre position to be in. I'm, I, it, I, I don't think anyone, any one of us could put ourselves in her shoes and figure out what to do. So she makes the decision that works for her. It's a very sad moment. And I just thought, it's not it's not Pike and Vina. Some of it's imaginary Pike, and you know I, I don't know. I really struggled with I really struggled to think whether that was the best for them because I just wanted them to to be happy with each other, and it wasn't going to work. It's too sad. I instead picked the other end of their relationship the the illusion of Mojave mm-hmm. that plays out between Vina and Pike. It's a really, it's such a good scene. It's a really calm scene, which I love because it's, it's nestled in between loads of heavy action scenes, but it's a really calm scene and loads happens in it. There's loads of information exchanged. There's loads of talking. There's loads of emotion. It does have sort of an undercurrent of fear and tension from Vina when she's referring to her headaches sort of euphemistically, but Pike appears to gradually break through he's honest and upfront he's funny um he doesn't he's not going to count out the telosians and he plainly explains this and as he's speaking to her he gleans a bit of information and then eventually she sort of relents and starts just telling him things but also she's worried about things as well so he doesn't push her too hard um and when he says things like you know sugar lumps and all they really do think of everything he that's how he breaks through because he's such an honest and decent person and she really responds to that and they're talking about the illusions of love and the illusions of romance and why this would be happening and pike's gradually piecing together not just the telosians abilities and what they are doing now but their longer term motivations and why they're trying to get a man and a woman together and he's also explaining to vina that well you know, the, the reason they've done this is because they know that I'm attracted to you and that, you know, we could we could potentially be together. And I could see this working out. And it's it's it sort of makes it more poignant when you know this is not going to happen, having seen the episode. But at the time, you don't know what's going to happen. You don't know, ooh, you know, how's this going to go? It was also really nice to see P- Pike interact with Tango the horse, um, you know, create yes. a legacy of captains <laughs> loving to ride horses. <laughs> um, and I, I just thought that scene it, it expl- there's lots of exposition but really emotional I thought both of them had so much to do and they were really like come, you know that's the first time they really came together to decide something so for me it was the best Pike and Vina is in the Mojave uh, sort of garden scene yeah I love that scene too I'm glad you picked that one um uh, even just it's even just interesting that they terraformed a desert and that's you know what i mean like that's cool <laughs> he mentions it like this all used to be yeah you see the futuristic city in the background uh, it's great i mean that yeah so and, science fiction isn't it right and thus begins the star trek tradition of you know throwing in cool little science fiction things like that yeah. which i love um and yeah that's a great scene um yeah, it, it, it advances a lot between the two characters and 
they kind of understand each other a little bit better um, after that. I'm glad you picked that instead of the reveal, which I'm not a fan of at all. Mm. Uh, um, I feel like it's, um, I, I, I mean, I want to say that it was, I, I used to think before if memory source came out that it was just like a product of like the sixties, not being able to do like really horrific makeup. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, cause to me it just looks like, Oh, she has cosmetic issues. Yeah. And for her to choose to live there just based on that is, is, is kind of like, okay. Was that, you know, saying like, like people with disabilities kind of exactly should, should, what go off yeah. and, <laughs> you know, like it's just, yeah. Yeah. So which, which is really disheartening. So in my mind, she has horrific pain That's and, they, and they, and, and they like, yeah. And they like mind away her pain. Yeah. Because obviously then when, when Christopher Pike comes back, you know, in the menagerie, he's obviously in pain. Mm. So part of what they're doing is, you know, is, is ending his pain too, by You know, um, having him back on Talos 4. So, and then it's, and then that, that's the one, that's the only thing I don't like about if memory serves because they double down on that mistake of showing Venus. Yeah. What she really looks like. It, and it, it's even worse because it it's like, at least, at least in the 60s version, she has like, she's a little bit misshapen. Yeah. She's got like a big hump on her back or whatever. And in this one, she, yeah. And in, and in if memory serves, she literally has a burned face. Yeah. It's like, yeah, you don't deserve to live among other humans because you have a burned face. They, they <laughs> right? They absolutely did not need to show that at all. Yeah. Yeah. It's like you doubled down on like the one bad thing about the cage, man. <laughs> but, um, yeah. But, but besides that, like, like, but what you're saying about it is like, so, she, you know, let's go with our thing where she's in pain and this is a way to, to keep her from being in pain. And and that's why Pike is like, is very, very sympathetic to that and very empathetic and, and says, you know, like when he comes back up to, to the Enterprise, he's like, she, she's staying on the planet. She's not coming with us. And I agree with her reasons, you know. Um, and that's, you know, even though obviously we know when we know now, like that he has genuine feelings for her. Yeah. You know, he still is, he didn't like force her to come, you know, he let her make that decision. Yeah. Um, so that, that's a good point that's for the Such a hard decision to make. And yeah, yeah. that's why I said it. it's just, it doesn't seem, doesn't seem like an easy thing to think about even. It's very right. Yeah. And you're right. Yeah. Yeah. And you're right too. Like who knows if, if we were put in that position, what, what we would do, yeah. you know, you just. It's, I find it very hard to get myself in the mindset where I could offer you a thought as to where I would go in this position. Yeah. Yep. <sighs> There's always something deeper to think about in <laughs> these episodes. Uh, yeah, there is. <laughs> this is why we love Star Trek. <laughs> exactly. Oh, man. Oh, Pike and Vina. So, for If Memory Serves, mm-hmm. um, my best Pike and Vina moment is when she appears in his ready room. And it's just a sweet, um, you know, reconciliation of the two characters who haven't, it's complicated because he hasn't seen her since the cage. She's in a way always been with him since the Salosians have have been nice enough to to give her the illusion of, of, of of a Christopher Pike. Um, so it's, it's, it's interesting and, and it's complicated um, but if you just think about 
just think about on the surface about like, like she, it's, this is just a scene where you know she declares her love for him and and he says he thinks about about her often and and he even does say at one point i wish you would have come with me yeah so you know so you can imagine that he probably does think about that and like oh did i make the right decision you know letting her stay should i have taken her with me and and i just love that he they had him say that um and he says you know she and she she she's very open about the fact that that she basically has a has a fake christopher pike that she uh yeah. <laughs> that that you know she pals around with and, and, uh, and at the end of the at the end of the cage you're never sure whether she knows that's fake or not and whether she knows that this isn't a she does she must she must suspect. she does yeah she must suspect but does she really yeah. know i don't know i think that's what no i th- I, th- I think i think we're meant to, to believe that she, that she did because she was there when there were two pikes yeah she was there when there were two you know pikes. what i mean i got the impression that she wasn't seeing pike with them i got the impression that she oh pike had chosen oh with her. Oh, I never interpreted it that way. But, but you know, but I'm pleased, and I was like, "Would you be that? Yeah, a, a figment when the real thing is leaving." Well, I mean, these Telosian uh, illusions seem pretty, uh, <laughs> pretty convincing. Um, but but based on the scene from if memory serves, oh, it seems like she knows. Because she, yeah, and and then and and he and you know and he says, "I'm glad you're not alone." When you know when she talks about it and. And he and he's oh, and he's so tender with her. He touches her hand and goes up her arm yeah. and feels her hair, like, and holds her face. And it's just so sweet. And they're so cute together. And Anson Mount is is so great in the scene. Um, and and he says, "Is this real?" <laughs> and sh- and she replies, "As real as it needs to be." Oh, because they share that and that line memory. Oh, twisting. Uh, and that's also kind of like a, a shout out to the menagerie too, yeah. because when she when he comes back to her eventually back to Telos Four and to Vina, that's as real as it needs to be too. Yeah. You know? Oh, I love it. They're so I, I really love them. <laughs> I think they're great. It's a weird it's a weird couple to ship, but I really do ship the it. The actress who plays I don't know her name, but the actress who plays Vina as well in the the re, the, the mod in both. <laughs> so good. They've done such a good job. Yeah. Um, I mean, I might as well say straight out. I probably gave the game away at the very beginning. I'm definitely giving my point. I thought you'd select that one for the bike and Vina moment, and I love that moment. And I honestly think, mm-hmm. it, it, just like all these great modern Star Treks, it makes the old Star Trek better. Yes, like, absolutely. Yep. I just, I was head over heels for that moment when she comes back. And then Pike, you get so much information about Pike's mindset and where he really right. is and what he thinks about and how much impact the cage has had on him. They did such a good job. It enhances the whole episode of the cage. I'm giving it to If Memory Serves. I, I just think it yep. it's the best part. Tell Continues their story and does it so well. The, your step back to Menagerie, just when you said that, that was like solid. I'm done. I'm sold. Yeah. That seems done it for me. Right. Yeah. Because it, it, yeah, my point's going to if memory serves too, because like when you, if you watch the menagerie, it's like, oh, this is a girl he met one time, one off on a planet. But when you add what you know from if memory yeah. serves, no, he's going back to this woman that he loves <laughs> and he knows exactly what he's getting going to. And they're going to be happy. And it's as real as it needs to be. 
Oh my gosh, it makes it so much better. It's so much better. <laughs> I know we said every time we're watching these two episodes together, it's just yeah, mm, 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 oh, perfect. Yeah, so good. <laughs> okay. So oh man. It, All right. Round three. That's four for the cage, and if memory serves, is off the mark with two. Okay. All right. There's still there's still time. There's time. There's time. <laughs> Where are we going next? Let's go for extraordinary illusion. Ooh. Who do you right. have for Extraordinary Illusion? Oh, well, well, this episode's full of Telosian illusions. <laughs> um, and I don't know whether... See, I have uh, what I have two picks, because I have one that's definitely illusion, and the one I'm not sure if we should consider the memories we see as illusions. Mm. Which my thought is yes, because it's like the Telosians are emerging them in in their memories yeah, they're not just reliving they're, they're not just seeing them played out yeah yeah and going deep inside and and if and if like and if like spock's i'm sorry if burn and like if burnham's in spock's memory that's not and that's an illusion they're creating for her so she could see in spock's memory and when they were there so they're, they're, they're juxtaposing so you've got young burnham and then she becomes old burnham yeah it's not okay yeah she's, okay, she's right. living in the moment Yes. Okay. All right. Then that's that's the one I'm picking. But let me talk about my runners up first, because <laughs> that one's just amazing. Okay. So uh, you know, the very first we come up to to uh, Talos four, and there's a black hole, and and it's similar. It's similar to the cage in the phaser. You know. Yes. Uh, where, where where Pike phasers a hole through the the cage, and he knows it's there, and you know, he can't see it, and. and and Spock takes over, you know, Burnham tries to evade the black hole and Spock just drives him right into it, um, which is, that's a pretty powerful illusion, a planet-wide defense system. So I wanted to, to give that mention there. Um, and, uh, you know, and then, of course, like I mentioned, there's this, we go through a walk through Spock's uh, memories. Mm-hmm. And that kind of, that ends up grounding Spock. Apparently the problem with Spock is that he's, seeing time as a fluid instead of linearly, <laughs> um, which is interesting. And this kind of, kind of brings him back. Um, and I do want to mention before I talk about my choice though, uh, at the very end, it's fun. The funny illusion what, where it's, it's kind of an interesting problem because two ships, the section 31 ship and the discovery both have locks transporter locks yeah. on burnham and spock and that's a cool problem i don't think we've ever seen that I, before I, I thought that correct me if i'm wrong yesterday i was like oh i've never seen them yeah this. yeah that, that must happen occasionally that's must be right if fight, fighting over people yeah. it sounds like something that would happen <laughs> and, and leland, leland's like they're going to be ripped apart <laughs> if you don't release them yeah yes they're going to kill them Right. And then but it turns out that uh that Telosians were helping Spock and, and Burnham escape and and it, it was just a, an illusion. So uh I love that bit. So the section thirty one and that and that bit's so funny. I'm sorry, I got such a kick out of the say goodbye Spock. <laughs> it was funny. Fuck. I thought it was genuine. I I may, I'm not sure whether I thought it was funny the first time around, but I genuinely thought it was funny this time around. I was on a real high I love these it. episodes. I was on a real high. I, 
Yeah, I, you know what? I I was too. I don't know why. It's it's just so much. It's even better now than when if Memory Service first came out, and I'm not sure why. Yeah, because I liked in the mood when it first. Yeah, but now I love it. Oh, same here. That's so funny. I don't know what's changed, uh, but. And I see, but the reason I like that little bit is because they're pl- they're playing along like a brother and sister would. Yeah. You know, like like, like she sets him up and he does the joke. Yeah. And that's such a cute little brother sister yeah, thing. They just say goodbye, Spock. <laughs> goodbye, Spock. And he does the Vulcan <laughs> salute, which is great. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm sorry. I like that. I think that's funny. But, uh, but I-, I had to pick the, the well done, so well done scene of of Burnham's memory mm-hmm. of her big regret from childhood and her payment to the Telosians, to the thought vampires <laughs> for helping Spock um, is that they want to relive her worst childhood. Well, maybe not worse. I should say she's seen her parents, <laughs> but, but like one of her big moments of regret from her life in childhood. And it's the scene between, uh, young Spock and young Burnham. Burnham decides that she's a danger to the family. And, she, you know, of course, she, even her savior complex was around uh, when she was young. And she decides that, you know, they're better off without her and she's going to leave the family, you know. And um, and, and how she's, she's just ultimately extremely cruel to Spock. Mm-hmm. You know, so that he'll let her go. And, and, they, and they do it. It's such a, it's so well shot because it's like, First of all, those two child actors are just the cutest things <laughs> in the whole world. Those, those kids are amazing. <laughs> They're incredible, and they do a, the great um, the, the the great filming of like sometimes it's like older Michael talking to younger yeah. Spock or younger you know younger Michael and and or it's, and sometimes it's old Spock and, and old Michael. You know what I mean? And they, and then it's just different because you can tell that it, it 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 does a really good job of projecting that it's that it's a memory, but it's also God, a memory like that is so real to you yeah. that it's like you're reliving it, and and it just it just really it's it's almost painful to watch that scene because they do such a good job of making it so so sad and 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 oh and she says you're not capable of love and and oh my gosh and 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 then of course at the end she calls she the you know the most you know the horrible part at the end. Yeah. You you weird little half breed, you know, like leave me alone to try to get him to not want her to stay, and oh my god, and it's so horrible and painful to watch, and and then and then just knowing, like, not only is that a horrible thing to have happened, a horrible scene, but then you see how that really really affected Spock, yeah, and his character, and he he says, you know, after they they see that memory, he says, you know, you were a catalyst. To me being, you know, like immersing myself in logic and the Vulcan side of me. Um, she was the one, you know, and the, the, okay, that little Spock is so cute. Yeah. And he's like, you were, but you were going to, you were teaching me about Earth and we were going to live there someday. <laughs> you know? And I just, oh my God, I want to like pick him up and snuggle him, the poor little guy. And it's, oh gosh, I, it's just so well done and it's poignant and tears at your heartstrings and it's awful. And it makes sense for both the characters and where they were and where they are. And it's just an, it's a nice little piece of their relationship. And I like how it, it and it makes their reconciliation in the end of, you know, such, such sweet sorrow, such sweet sorrow, right? That's the last. Yes. 
um, yeah, such in such a sorrow, they're, you know, reconciliation and, and final goodbyes. And, oh, I love it. It's good. The, the, the memory aspect of it, it really, I think this was the part of, this was the part of the episode that worked better for me this time around. Uh, okay. The, yeah. the whole, the whole them, um, you know, having a painful memory, it being something that can really alter somebody and change mm-hmm. the, the, somebody's perspective and change their direction. And I'm not sure whether that is having watched it with the cage or just me having watched the series and had time to reflect upon it. But this was one <laughs> bit that I thought was, I, that I thought I'd underappreciate the first time around. And I really, really liked this bit this time around. And I thought it yeah. really worked. Um, I thought the monster was scary. I thought the yes. kids were sad. I thought it tied in. I, I mean, I don't think I appreciate it this time. It tied in so well with the grander narrative of what the Red Angel is doing and why things are happening, of why yeah. Spock has been in an insane asylum, of why, <laughs> of why they didn't like each other. I mean, it yes. just brings so much together. And, you know, it's this is the centre of the series, this episode. And it's it really, really is solid. And it just ties up so much and then sets you off for the next seven or eight episodes. Can you imagine if there were monsters like that, like in the woods by you? <laughs> like where... I know, I know. I would never go outside. <laughs> I mean, the worst I've got to imagine is like, a, you know, maybe a large badger, but that's about <laughs> as far as it goes. I've never concerned myself with the wildlife here. No, it's interesting. It's funny. I grew I grew up in the in the Poconos, like in the in the mountains, mm-hmm. and so so there were bears. I guess that, and I went in playing in the woods without worrying about being attacked by a bear. But a, I mean, a bear could kill you, but it's not like this like two story tall yeah lizard or whatever. <laughs> what was it? Scorpion? Lizard? I mean, what is it? I, <laughs> Demi Gorgons. It's so easy looking, <laughs> um, but you can't call that evil. It's, it's just it's just terrifying. And that thing was fast too. Yeah, it comes out the ground and it scuttles. It was really, <laughs> really creepy, but really well done. Creepy, yeah, yeah, it was well done. But man, I like, I would never go anywhere outside without a phaser or whatever. No, yeah. Well, oh my god! That's where she was going. It is dangerous there. Yeah, I guess so, man. <laughs> All right. What about for the cage? For the cage also has some really cracking illusions all the way through. Yeah. Um, let me start off with the one a favourite of mine, which I haven't picked. Rigel. The idea that we are then yeah. reliving Pike's memory of what happened on Rigel, or a variation of what happened, um, with Vina being present as well. He knows she wasn't there originally. But you get you get a sort of hint of okay, something we know something bad happened on Rigel that he feels bad about. And here he is reliving it again. I also loved the juxtaposition of a starship captain fighting an ogre in a rundown castle in order to rescue a damsel in distress. Those mm-hmm. contrasts of sci-fi and fantasy showing that really from the off, Star Trek could be absolutely anything. You know, you can you can give every kind of story to Star Trek, and it will fit here because we're going to explore the entire universe. And everything is there, and everything is in in range. So I really liked that. I thought the ogre, 
I'm not sure whether ogre is the right word. The giant angry Rigel. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and he has like he has a, a, a club and a big furry hat. Um, he looked great. Weird looking teeth, but just just a great like villain. Um, I really liked. And this is only brief, but the depiction of hell from the yeah. childhood fable was scary and fantastic. Can you imagine seeing that on TV in the 60s? I mean, they obviously didn't show it right. in the 60s. Didn't show it till the 90s. But it was <laughs> horrible. Really powerful, angry, violent hell. You know, he, the wrists are on fire. There's bubbling flames all around it. Really, really hideous. Um, <laughs> the, the actual illusion I selected going back to something we've already talked about is Vina's illusionary beauty because it's yeah. it's not just it's not just beauty which is very surface level this isn't a Harry Mudd episode we're not just looking at the way these the way she looks it's about how she feels and how she interacts right. with the people around her and perhaps even the things she can do so it's not it's a, an illusion which is actually you know, helping her cope with something that might be very difficult without. And that is really extraordinary. And not to say that she couldn't or shouldn't try without it if she wanted to, but to have the option to like just slip into a different body, which, you know, is more effective and feels more comfortable. And, you know, you feel represents the real version of you rather than the view that, that you feel isn't quite right. So it's a really, it's a tough thing to have to do. It's a tough thing to think about. It's a tough thing to talk about, but it is extraordinary. And it's the kind of, you know, the magical, I mean, it's next level, isn't it? It's not, this isn't science fiction. This is next level psychological. How do people cope with difficulties when they're thrown to them? And is it enough to say, I'm just going to pretend, you know, I'll recognize and feel like it's not happening to me. It's you know maybe it's, it's almost like immersing yourself in a video game or something. It's 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 not real, but it's real enough, and it helps me deal with my life. Yeah, it's it, it's 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 a difficult thing to think about, and and it's it is an extraordinary illusion though too. Yeah. Like like to make make someone not only look but feel like they're completely. The way they want to feel too, like like even like if at the end of the menagerie they had the power to make Pike, who all he could do was press a you know say beep yes or no, mm. and he was he could back be back to doing whatever he wanted to do, and feel that you know feel like he is completely can do what he wants to do again. Um, they're very very powerful creatures, the Lotions. Absolutely. And, um, a, sc- a scary kind of power as well for a species which yeah. doesn't necessarily has demonstrated benevolence, but has also demonstrated a sort of a frightening degree of malevolence. And, yeah, you know. Well, yeah, and Avina might be there by choice, but not none of the other creatures in the menagerie were there by choice, yeah. including Pike. You know, and and we do see, don't we see another being? 
in 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 another cage near Pike. We do just sort of weird sort of orange ape type thing. Yes, yeah. And there is also the sort of the bird type creature. Yeah, cage along. They're, I'm not sure yeah. whether those creatures are sentient or not. Yeah. Hmm. I don't know. But they're try- if they're trying to lure. I don't know if they're trying to. I, I guess you're right. If they're trying to lure starships there, were they trying to lure specifically humans yeah. as a mate for Vina? I guess to yeah. to to breed their pet, basically, <laughs> which is awful. I I hate the delicious. Is, is, so is that what we think? Do we think they view Vina as a pet? Oh, one hundred percent. Oh, that's that's much worse. That. Oh yeah. I mean, in my mind, that's how that's how I take it. Because they're they. I mean, it's established that they enjoy perusing our the mines yeah like they're, they're she just exists there for their entertainment uh, do you, think, you know that, that makes everything that's that's such an unsafe return <laughs> sorry if i ruined no, no. <laughs> the solutions for you <laughs> didn't, i never thought they were that nice to begin with but now i think they're much right. worse than i originally thought yeah mm. well because even this is the same thing like oh yeah we'll we'll help spock but only if you serve us up some, you know, sweet, sweet negative memories for us to feed on. They sort of justify <laughs> it by saying it's how we learn, and I, I gave them that pass. Oh. They could have learned a happy memory, couldn't they? <laughs> exactly. About the time you learned about the wonders of chocolate ice cream, or you know, <laughs> a nice day at the shore, <laughs> right? <laughs> oh goodness me! Oh man, yeah, no, no, I think they're completely just parasitic you, you use the word parasitic yeah, I, I think that's what they are i think they're parasitic thought vampires oh my gosh and i don't give them any benefit of the doubt that's just that's just my take on it <laughs> crumbs okay where, where are your points going for this <laughs> on that note <laughs> <laughs> that's why we don't have like best telosian moments no. <laughs> Because all their moments belong to other people, don't they? They're all yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And there's so many great, for our characters, there's so many great character moments. Oh, absolutely. Oh, man. Okay, points. Now that we've discussed right. in detail. Hmm. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. Now oh, no, no, detail, go ahead. Both of these are really negative, aren't they? Yeah. Absolutely. Hmm. <laughs> but that's part of the point. That's yeah. the, the, these, the, the Telosians, they wasted away to nothing. And I think they're supposed to be a, a cautionary tale of about navel gazing. I think. Yeah. Um, at least that's I think what they were trying to say in the cage. Because um, that's what because that's what happens, right? They, like they they almost destroyed themselves with war, yeah. and then they went down below, and then all they did was just basically think. Yeah. For millennium and millennium and millennium, and then this is what they became: a pulsating brain. Thought vampires. <laughs> okay. Oh, <laughs> uh, I think I think I'm gonna give my point to the Burnham memory because I just it, it was uncomfortable to watch, like in a good in a good way in in, in a theatrical way. Well, it <laughs> you know was what I mean? Good to watch in an emotional way. Um, and I just I just loved the way they filmed it and the way they did it and what it meant for the characters of Burnham and Spock. Maybe and there's so a touch of what Saru said as well, that sort of some catharsis. Yeah. Having that it wasn't immediate because obviously Spock is still angry right, uh, at right. Burnham. But he understands what she was doing and perhaps he always understood. But at least yeah. he, she had the opportunity to 
explain herself and to tell her side so yeah you know the justification she felt then and now and how sorry she felt could really be laid out Um, oh that's a really good that's a really good point i never i never thought to compare it to the to the ashen and culber fight but you're right this is a catharsis too yeah just laying it all out there um this is why i'm i'm mad at you like (laughs) this is what you did this is how you hurt me um and being able to say that and discuss that is is something they wouldn't have ever done otherwise ever that's a good point yeah then my point's going there i am also putting my point there i think i I think i'm finding the whole vena plot line really complicated to even talk about yeah i'm struggling (laughs) with it um and i like the idea that at least there's a bit more there's some elements of ongoing positivity there's all elements of ongoing positivity with both but for Pike and for for Burnham and Spock, this the, their their time on Talos Four began their changing opinions of one another. It wasn't it was yeah. a rocky start, but it's a start. So I give them their point. All right. Oh man, we're tied we're up. Tied up. Who'd have thought? It all comes <laughs> down the final round to the most exciting of rounds, <laughs> which we are going to, which we could only revisit this round. Only a few times, if ever again. If ever. This is probably the only one. This, is, this could be the only one. Yeah, this only applies to these two episodes, I think. Oh, no, maybe, well, maybe one other. I can think of another time it has happened. I can think of, yeah, I can think, think of what another we would time. pair that with. Yeah. Right. But, you, okay. You say it. You, you okay. I, I, I like it. <laughs> Final category is best Spock smile. <laughs> <laughs> best box smile um what a great category Love oh man spock i love spock all right he smiles in both these he episodes smiles in both these episodes. and <laughs> in the cage obviously we didn't see the cage air until the 90s and star trek has already been on and tng's been on and the films have been on and we know that on the whole spock does not smile however <laughs> In the beginning of the cage, when they beam down to Talosia, uh, Talos 4, uh, Talos 4, Talos 4, when they beam down to Talos 4, <laughs> they are they they see the, the singing blue flowers and they have that really bizarre, sort of high pitched whine, and it's just so fantastically alien. I it's such a good idea, just like how can yeah. we make you know, it's not just a weird blue looking plant. But it's going to hum and move and vibrate. I just love that. I love that. And it's such a bright blue color too. Like it's un- oh. unnatural, quote unquote, color too, yeah. which makes it even more alien and lovely. Yeah, it's a completely unnatural color, which I yeah, love. I love it. And there's that great. I mean, you can always you can always visualize this because it's so rare, so regularly posted. Mike <laughs> and Spock walk up to the plant together, and they both put their hands on the leaves, and at the moment they touch the leaves, the humming is not stopped but sort of reduced slightly as the leaves aren't producing the harm because they're holding it and Spock looks to Pike and just has a massive smile on his face absolutely enormous <laughs> this has really tickled him um, and Leonard Nimoy's got such a beautiful smile too it's so, you, so, you, you know you so lights up his face the, uh, Spock smile again it's a really <laughs> lovely smile and you know 
were all the canon consider all the canon issues it throws out. Actually, Discovery is pretty <laughs> pretty much pretty much dealt with. They've tied them yeah. up. You know, Dis- Dis- Discovery's kind of made it their mission to to make that scene make sense. Yeah. <laughs> and I and I never had a I didn't have a massive problem with the with No, no, me neither. Doesn't bother me. I, I always thought the Spock could smile if he wanted. He just chose not to. He just chose not to exactly. And then he chose to. Um, yes. And it's a big old smile. It's a novel situation. Really, sort of, really established moment. We all we all know this moment now, even though actually it's only fairly recent compared to the rest of Star Trek. Um, <laughs> but of course, we did see it in the menagerie. Um, so yeah, that's the best Spock smile as they approach the blue flowers. He turns to Pike and grins enormously. I love that moment so much. And I love the callback to it. And if memory serves, Burnham uh, lands on the planet and and comes up to the same type of flower and does the same thing, you know, silences it, you know. And and she gives a, sm- a little smile too. It's fan service, and, Jen, and I'm here for it. I am here for it. No, but I love that too, because it's, ju- it's not just a lovely, like, visual callback to the cage, but it also connects... Burnham and Spock, character-wise together, because they both reacted the same way to the same thing. Yeah. You know, which I thought was just a lovely little brother-sister moment to have, you know? It's just, I love that part. Um, okay, but we do get a Spock smile in If Memory Serves also. And this is when, uh, this is at the end, where they, you know, they they beat Leland, uh, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, and now uh Burnham and Spock are safely on the Discovery and Pike meets them in the uh, cargo bay or in the shuttle bay and um, and he smiles and he, he, you know, Pike asks him how, how he is and, and he says something like, like now that I'm seeing you, I'm, I'm better, you know, <laughs> even if we're just riding into danger um, and, and he smiles and he's, and, you know, and, and Pike, Pike even mentioned, he's like, oh, is that a smile? And, and Spock doesn't even try to hide it. He's like, I believe it is. <laughs> um, and I love this because the reason he smiles is because he sees Pike again. I know. And I just love that so much. I think this is another, and this is another thing, like, that makes the menagerie even better, too, because you could see his love for Pike is evident in this smile. And you could see that this is, that Pike is someone he that he would risk court martial for to take him back to Talos for when you know when he's when he needs him and yeah. and I just I think that's such a nice especially now that we're going to get to see Pike and and Spock again the, this version of Pike and Spock again knowing what kind of relationship they have and and um it's just going to be even even better and and it's just such a nice little it's a nice callback to the cage that he smiles yes. and the fact that he's smiling for Pike makes it even more poignant. And it's, it's quite understated their reunion, isn't it? It doesn't yeah. overplayed, yeah. but actually you do get that sense that they are genuinely relieved to be in each other's right. again. And right. then it's been a long time for both of them. And that this is where they're supposed to be. They're supposed to be together yeah. sort of things. Yep. So I, I, I really like that moment. And I really like the fact that he did have a smile and, <laughs> he can acknowledge it and deal with it and he's pleased to see Pike and that's how he's showing it off um, this is good I love this I love this as a final category we're ending on a high 
We're ending on a high. This is the yes, ending on a high today. <laughs> Nothing, no, no complicated uh, no. <laughs> ethical dilemmas here. Just which who has the best smile? <laughs> Teen magazine category. <laughs> All right. <laughs> or your your book superlative best smile best oh man my my vo- my vote uh, i'll give my fo- vote to the cage for this one really? it's just such a great icon- iconic moment and also it just seems genuine too like it just seems like a genuine leonard L- leonard nimoy smile like a de- like he does a good job of showing like like just sheer delight like scientific delight too yeah. Like, like it's it, it at, at this discovery of this this strange plant, and I just love it, and it's great, and his beautiful blue eyeshadow matches the uh, plant, and I love it. I love, I love, I really noticed uh, Ethan Peck's blue eyeshadow this time around as well. I thought, <laughs> he is wearing it; he's got it on. I like that. Love it. Um, if we're going by sheer size of the smile, then original Spock would pick it up. That's true. But I do think the smiling, if memory serves, is very understated. But I love the fact it it's essentially bookends both these episodes. A smile at the beginning, a smile at the end. And it's a, <laughs> you know, it's not just a smile of scientific curiosity, it's a smile of genuine warmth and affection for seeing, you know, his the guy, a chap he's been just waiting to get in touch with for such a long time, who has literally come to his rescue against all odds, against all the orders. He's got a smile for him, a smile which he rarely doles out for anyone else, um, except the captains he loves. Now, I'm <laughs> going to give my point to if memory serves. Wow. I did not see that coming. I love it. So... We're tied. That's it. We're tied. The cage gets fives. If memory serve, gets fives. I, I, five. Should we do a tiebreaker? I pluralized it. Yes, let's do a tiebreaker. <laughs> so we've got five points each, Jen. We're going to go to a tiebreaker <laughs> and we're just going to keep it keep it from the heart. Which episode do you prefer? Do you prefer the cage oh, man. or if memory serves? Oof. Oh, it's... it's you know... I, I, huh. I love... I love if memory serves, but it it wouldn't be anything without the cage. And the cage was the original, the very, very original Star Trek adventure. And I'm going to go with the cage. What about you? It's so hard because I really feel like my enjoyment of the, because I, I enjoy the cage as an episode and I really feel my enjoyment of the cage is massively enhanced by watching it alongside of memory serves. That's a good point. And I think the continuation of some of the themes, because it's not necessarily a continued story, but there's some plot points that are thread between the two, the character yeah. thread between the two. And I really feel they do an excellent job of it if in memory serves of drawing those things out, but also in its own right, it's yeah, a really, a good really good episode. Yeah. It has so that's much going point. on. I said earlier on, it's a packed episode. It does. It's packed. So I think if I had to watch one episode again, I would pick If Memory Serves. Yeah, that's interesting. And I feel like that's undone, that's undone our tiebreaker as well. <laughs> we that's so it. funny. So we still got a tie. That's a, it's, it's a genuine tie, a genuine and tie. I'm happy with that. I think we <laughs> And I, I absolutely loved watching The Cage and If Memory Serves together. 
and yeah. I'm trying to think. What well, there's the episode with uh, Pike and the Time Crystal where he actually gets a vision of himself yes. in a wheelchair. Yeah. Throw that into the mix, and then the menagerie as well. Mm-hmm. Got a whole day's viewing there, which is just going to be really perfect. Yes, definitely. The, the, like the whole. Tele- it's a great mini marathon. Yeah, the whole yeah. Telosian sphere. One day I'll yep. have to do that. Um, I, I'm happy it's a draw. I really feel like I'm yep. putting these two episodes together in my mind. I'm good with that. I'm, I'm merging them into one. Um, yeah. Same, same way the Menagerie merged it into an episode. Absolutely. Merged the yes. cage into an episode. <laughs> it's kind of merged into if memory serves now too. <laughs> I, I, th- I really think it just pulls it together so well. And despite the fact we're, we've got a whole new cast of characters, it doesn't feel separate. It feels connected. Yeah. Yeah, which is hard to do. Yeah. Especially since the first one took place in the 60s. Well, it didn't take place. <laughs> was was recorded in the 60s. But I'm, I, yeah. I'm on board and I've been on board with the new characters the new actors playing the new character, the old characters. I've been on board Same. with that from the start. I, Same. I, I really felt they've done really well with this. I thought that was a strong Definitely. point of the, the 2009 films, but it's a, strong, yeah. it's a strong point here as well. They've done a great job. Definitely agree. All right. All right. All right. We're done. We're done. We're done. <laughs> uh, what's next? What's next episode of Snap Trek. Oh my goodness. Good. Now that we've finished with the old business, on to the new. Time to hand out next month's story assignments. Ritterhouse, we're waiting! Okay, friends and neighbors, let's see what Uncle Roy has for you today. On the next episode of Snap Trek, we'll be revisiting Earth's history and hearing the family histories of some of our most esteemed crew members as we compare Voyager's 1159 with Enterprise's Carbon Creek. I am very excited for this one. <laughs> I, I am feeling really, really keen on this. And yes. I haven't watched 1159. I've only watched it once. And I wasn't Ooh. that taken with it. I honestly... I, I, I understand I, that. Yes, I think a lot of people feel that way, but it's it's a personal guilty pleasure of, of mine. I really enjoy that episode. So And Carbon Creek. The Snap Trek effect has always been to enhance the episodes. You watch yeah. one, it enhances the other. So I'm really excited to do this. <laughs> okay. That's great. All right. Okay. Do you have anything else you would like to add, Jen? No, I just want to say thanks everyone for listening. We really appreciate it. And we hope everyone's doing well and staying safe. Before we go, we're going to read you a quick poem that was sent in by on Twitter by at Spence the Ghost. It's a limerick and it is about the cage. Here you go. There was a young captain called Chris who found Talos IV hit and miss. Vina was pretty. It was such a pity. They had to part ways after this. Oh, That's good, isn't it? It is a pity. That's really good. <laughs> Love it. Thank you very much. Yeah, thank you for that. That was great. Um, and do be sure to send us more poems, uh, more limericks, more odes. We absolutely love them. Um, great to hear from you. Lovely to speak to you, Jen. You too, Ross. And I think that's a Royal Fizzbin. Say goodbye, Spock. Goodbye, Spock. <laughs>